0: When I read, I read differently. I read much more with much more understanding of, of the craft. The beautifully constructed sentence, that perfect opening paragraph, all those things are partly inspiration. And you know, some writers are geniuses and I'm sure they just did that, like Mozart was a genius in music. But for us lesser mortals, we need to learn how to do things.
1: Hello, this is Susie Walker, host of the How I Wrote My Book podcast. We're a friendly writer's community who meet online to connect, be inspired and feel happy as we write our books. This episode is brought to you by the Annex Story Fest, taking place on February the 24th to the 26th, 2023, in the magical town of Annex, Northumberland, where stories come to life. The Annex Story Fest is bringing our community and visitors together to have fun, make new friends and be inspired by the stories we love. You can buy your tickets now at AnnexStoryFest.com Hello, I'm Susie Walker, host of How I Wrote My Book podcast. Every week I will interview one of our brilliant writers coming to the Annex StoryFest about where they get their ideas from, what inspires them and how they actually write their books. This week we're talking to Trisha Cresswell, who is a retired public health doctor now living in Annex who has written her debut novel, The Midwife, which won the Mislexia Debut Novel Award. Trisha has written a brilliant book. We love it. And that's why we've chosen The Midwife to be the Anik Town-Wide Read. One book, one town, and a book club session where everyone knows the end of the story. The Anik Town-Wide Read, all you have to do is buy a ticket to the event and claim a free paperback from the accidental bookshop, while stocks last available from the 2nd of February 2023 so go grab your book now and come to the event now let's talk to Tricia I am delighted to be joined by the wonderful
2: Tricia Cresswell who has written the most wonderful book called The Midwife The Midwife is Tricia's debut novel and it is currently starring in Waterstones with five out of five ratings. Did you know that, Tricia? You're getting five out of five ratings in Waterstones right now.
0: Uh, it's nice. I try not to look at the reviews too often because it makes you go a bit weird. So, you know, I try and only look once a month kind of thing. So thank you for that. So Tricia is very modest. She is a retired doctor and now a charity
2: trustee who lives in our wonderful town of Annick and is a co-founder of the Annick Story Fest. And it was Tricia's book that inspired us together to create a whole uh, festival around stories. When Tricia was launching her book um, early last year. So, Tricia, I would love to uh, just read a couple of reviews. I know you don't like doing the reviews, but your book has been called Multilayered, Absorbing and Mysterious uh, by one of our reviewers. Another reviewer has said, The Midwife is an atmospheric, alluring, beautifully written novel that grabs you from the first page. So I'd love to talk to you, Tricia, about the story of you writing your book, uh, right from the, the, the moment of conception of the idea Right through to publishing it. So tell us, where did you get your idea from?
0: So I was needing to write something, a long piece, because I was doing a part-time MA in creative writing at Newcastle University. And the inspiration was very strongly outrage about women's reproductive rights. And, and when people read the book, I hope they'll get those messages, although obviously you try to make those uh, concealed r- rather than avert when you're writing. So at that that sort of outrage and, and the whole issues that have happened since with the um, the U.S. Supreme Court and overturning Roe v.ersus Wade, Wade perhaps make that very even more relevant than than perhaps it was at the time. I was thinking about the book, which was way back in in twenty sixteen. The uh, other thing was sometimes you get a visual image when um, you're trying to write, or, or sometimes it's like it can be a smell or something you've heard. But for me, I, I was actually walking along um, uh, Fenkel Street in you know, Annick, which you'll know, which has park cobbles. Yes. And um, I, I was wearing some um, some new new boots, um, and it, it was just the noise of of the boot heels on the cobbles, and and I got this real image of of a woman in obviously Victorian clothing because I was setting the book in that period, um, and, and the noise and 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 I think for me writing, um, I found particularly those visual images and then sounds and smells I've been very keen to portray those to try and make that sort of 1840s setting real.
2: Yeah oh you've done it so well because when I I mean when I, I came to your book launch and I read your book immediately and it I was so thrilled because I'd just moved to Annick and all of a sudden it sort of brought history alive in the pages and I almost could imagine you know the, the kind of the curtsies and the cook and the the you know the, the the carts going through on the cobbles it was it was it's a very evocative book but also as you say with a very um with a theme that's as relevant today as it was then which is that's important um so can i just go back to something you said you said you were doing a master's in um creative writing so again going telling us the story of you writing this book so you were a, a GP you're working at quite a high level at the NHS so how did you make the leap from from doctor to writer and what what made you sign up for the masters?
0: Yep. Yeah. so um, I, I actually was a, a, a public health doctor I was initially a GP but most of my career was as a public health doctor part of that was a very strong interest in in um, social conditions and, and the impacts on people's health or of, of poverty, um very which is a huge impact on people's health. I was interested in 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 literature and particularly in, in in historical fiction, but people like Hilary Mantel and so on who write beautifully of the period in which their characters and story are set. So when I was coming up to planning for retirement and, and, and I'm I'm a planner, you know, that's been part of my job, so I had to have a plan, it was I really I realised I should could not just stop working and not have something big to do uh, and um, wanted to write a novel I've always wanted to write a novel it's been one of those dreams I think you know you have those dreams from from being young don't you yes. um, and um, and so I thought let's do what I've always done throughout my career if, if you're going to do something new you need to be sure you've, you've got some um, background in it that you've been uh, you've gone through some academic process and, and some training um so, and the MA was fantastic because, you know, I was one of the oldest people on the course. This course had a few sort of people um, uh, approaching retirement, but most of them were, were much younger, obviously. And it was so invigorating to be in um, working groups with, with very much younger people, but also not to be trying to teach them because all my sort of interactions in the later type times of my career were but we're as supervising master's students and PhD students and doing lectures. Mm-hmm. It's also quite a humbling experience to be having to accept that you are probably the least competent person in the room. Because yeah. uh, quite a lot of the people doing the, the MA in creative writing had just finished degrees in, in um, English language or literature. Um, it, it was fascinating. It was a really good learning experience
2: amazing so i love the idea of that you wanted to write a novel and then your process was right i'm going to go and learn the skills that i need to learn so a lot of people don't do that we we just go okay i'm just going to write a novel and because they haven't learned the skills it sometimes it can you know be built on rocky foundations as it were so what are the three things that you learned from your masters that have really helped you get this novel to publication if you had to name them
0: so there's needing the inspiration, obviously, and the the big ideas. And I think young writers coming in who've got a long career ahead of them can learn the craft as they go. I just didn't have enough time to do that because obviously my writing career will, of necessity, be relatively short. I now, when I read, I read differently. I read much more with much more understanding of of the craft. You know. The beautifully constructed sentence, that perfect opening paragraph, all those things are partly inspiration. And, 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 you know, some writers are geniuses. And I'm sure they just did that like Mozart was a genius in music. But for us lesser mortals, we need to learn how to do things. And, and learning the craft for me was fascinating. And of course, it, it suited the way my brain works because my, my career has required me to learn continuously throughout my working life.
2: Uh, and in terms of anything specific so you know advice for the readers or the listeners who are thinking okay I want to write a novel I don't want to commit to a master's if you were going to point people in the direction of if there's one thing that you do kind of look at first you know if you're going to start on this journey what would you say to look at first?
0: So read broadly across genres Uh, I think that's really important Um, and then the other thing is is Read some of the how-to books. Uh, So there are. There's a book entitled "Reading Like a Writer" by Francine Prose, and that actually is amazing. Um, You you read that, and and then you you when you are then reading novels, you're looking at them and thinking, "This is brilliant because you know this is." And I I also now I've learned to not read novels because I used to be, I'm an obsessional reader, and I used to have to finish novels. Now I'm quite able to say this is not well written, I'm just not going to continue reading it, which is actually quite liberating as well.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So with your own novel you got the idea and you heard the the heels of your character tripping down Fenkel Street in Annick. How did you develop the idea from there?
0: That's really interesting because books don't write themselves, it is a myth and it's a real, real hard slog getting the words on the pages, but sometimes you you start to write the chapter and you you've got the characters that are, are reasonably known to you by then, and they do to an extent write themselves. You get to the point where it, you know the character well enough to know what they will say next. Um, it sounds very weird, it, but I think anyone who's written um, will will recognise that. So developing the because there is a plot in this. I mean, it's a, it's a, his, a historical fiction, but there is a, is quite a strong plot line. Again that's something that you can learn. And, and so learning about plotting, I did do obviously the, the MA and then a couple of courses, writers and artists. And I was at one seminar where um, Lisa Doughty, who's obviously a very well respected author, uh, said that she'd made this massive, massive mistake when she was plotting one of her novels and had had to sort of turn bits around and redo them. And actually I went back and looked at what I got and I rewrote the middle section. Not all the words, but I moved all the words around, which is a nightmare when you move words around, because uh, you have to make sure you've done it across all the, the subsequent and previous chapters. Um, but yeah, so learning from other writers. So suppose if you if you wanted to say, who have I learned most from, it was my fellow students on the MA. It was my excellent tutor on the MA. And it was was writers I've been lucky to to hear and meet with at various book festivals. Um, and you need to go to those things as well. It's really important to, to sort of hear writers talk about their work. One of the, again, most sort of really positive insights was hearing Sarah Waters speak about one of her novels in in Newcastle, there's a Newcastle Centre for the Literary Arts and there's some great evening sessions and so on. And Sarah Waters is just really great describing how she writes. Um, so you can learn from, from, there's so many people to learn from but you do need to spend the time on that.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's committing time for that kind of inspiration. But they're, they're, I mean, the great news is these days with podcasts, books, and then obviously the festivals and the uh, story festival that we're creating, you know, with lots of writers who are willing to share their writing process. I find other writers to be so generous with their with their help, as you're being generous today. So thank you for that today. But Tricia, for you, what was the hardest bit of your process? When you um, started a doubt, how did you overcome the doubt?
0: I think there are a couple of periods of when you do reach that. So I suppose I'd had some endorsement of the writing quality because the first 15,000 words were, were my dissertation piece, although they're not actually, they didn't end up being the first 15,000 pages, uh, words of the novel, quite. So it was having that feedback that I, you know, I could write, and then there is just the slog of writing the words. I was used to writing a lot of words in terms of factual reports. So in a way, perhaps I had some, I could visualize how many words you need on a page to, to get to a number count. And I had some idea of how long this book needed to be. And then it is simply getting the ideas for each chapter and writing them through and linking them back and then realizing it's rubbish, and binning it and starting again, which is painful so discarding words i would think i discarded at least as many words as remained in the book and i think that sort of fairly fierce editing is is very important and again many thanks to my um tutor on the ma who had this sort of marvelous thing of adjectives this should be discarded and adverbs are usually useless so you go back and read every sentence with do i need these words in this sentence and then I obviously I worked with a writing buddy, so uh, someone who I'm actually bizarrely met in London on a a writers and artists course, and then we found out we lived near each other in rural Northumberland, and so we 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 were writing our own novels and, and co sort of critiquing and and so on, which is incredibly helpful. And certainly, um, she's obviously a friend. She did at one point say, "This this bit just doesn't work," and it's like being stabbed really, but it was true.
2: Yeah, so, so to get sort feedback from people that you know and also that you trust.
0: Yeah, trust is really important because it is a bit of yourself, you know, when you're writing fiction. It's very bizarre because I've written lots of, obviously, reports, non-fiction stuff, scientific papers. It's not personal. When you've written fiction, it feels much more personal when it's critiqued. <laughs>
2: I think feedback is really difficult to get on writing. I think when you're sort of starting out, and I know you know I'm trying to write several books at the moment, and it's no good giving it to your loved ones because they either they can never say anything right. If they say anything great, you don't believe them, and if they say anything negative, you fall out with them. Um, So it's finding that either a writers group or or a writing buddy that you know has a kind of a good command of what's good and what's not and that you trust them and you know that they have your best best interests at heart because I do feel sometimes that harsh feedback can sometimes stop writers in their in their tracks it really can
0: yeah I think it's having that level of trust and and that sort of ability to be honest and try to be positive but but being honest is, is important but that takes a while to build up and, and I think so I think having that established relationship is probably much more useful than, than sort of one-off processes although I've done both and, and I found both helpful so yeah I, I, I think the the other thing a bit about going through the process is getting your work out there so trying to write other small bits short stories and so on um, and and trying to and entering them for competitions I think competitions are very useful because they're a discipline. You have to get, you know, the bit finished for that competition and and you have to lay it out properly and and so on. And some competitions, you know, you, you can get feedback and so on. So I would sort of encourage people to subject their work to competitions and particularly if they've got their novel at that sort of first draft completion stage. Work on it a bit more. Look at what competitions are coming up. And of course, I was incredibly fortunate because I won the um, the Lexia first novel competition, which is what got me my wonderful agent and got me published by Pan Macmillan. So I think competitions are, are very useful. And there's lots of advice in, on, on various sites about applying for competitions and which ones might, might suit your style best and so on.
2: Sure. So at, at the festival, I know that you're going to be taking part in a panel discussion with us about how to have the best chance of... Being noticed in a writing competition which is really helpful so uh, that will be exciting to talk to not only you but other writers who've gone through that process have you got any tips just now off the top of your head if someone's thinking about you know putting their work into a a competition right now what what are the do's and don'ts of doing that
0: Okay so there are some really straightforward and, and obvious things but I think from the feedback I've heard from people who, who run competitions that you, you, you don't always get this is make sure you just follow the instructions how they want the work submitting what format and all of that the basic basic stuff just get that right and then the in terms of the the literary content of your work sweat that first sentence and first few paragraphs because most competitions ask you for the first few thousand words initially and then you're long listed and they ask for more words and then they may, you know, not ask for the full thing until shortlisting. It varies from competition to competition. So be sure that you 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 read that and, and follow it. And then you you're gonna have to hook these people and synopsis people I used to stress horribly about writing synopses but actually when you talk to people who judge competitions what I think they really are looking at is is that those hooks in those first few hundred words yes and if you've got a rubbish first few paragraphs then nobody's going to read beyond them so so that that probably is really important and that's the bit where you're working with someone else and and going through that sort of Feedback loop is really really helpful. Lots of people go to workshops on how to write synopsis, as I did, because I was inexperienced, obviously. And I think I should have spent that time actually working much more on those 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 first words. A lot of writing competitions ask for sort of three thousand words or five thousand words, uh, and it, you can't spend and you can't in a novel anyway spend too much time setting your scene. You need to get get your reader in there with you. Um, so it's the test is the same yeah 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 yeah
2: um so for you um in terms of winning the dyslexia and the competition what impact did that have on getting your novel novel published
0: I was very fortunate because the prize part of the prize was you, you would get an introduction to an agent but in fact one of the judges was Charlotte Robertson a literary agent and she just uh, contacted me and said she, she wanted to take the book. So it was like I'd gone from, you know, the position of zero to wow in uh, literally a few days. And then she obviously then did a fabulous job and, and got Pam Macmillan um, as publisher. So yeah, I mean, having wow. a, a great agent because the, the next phase of, of your book was, I mean, completely alien to me. I'd done obviously stuff for scientific journals where the feedback is very specific and very precise. But going through the sort of initial um, structural edit. Um, with the publisher and and then later on the the very stages of editing was totally fascinating and and okay actually because once we got into the sort of technical bits I was a bit more in my comfort zone again yeah
2: yeah yeah so but again it's you know we a lot of people think you just write a book and that's it you know you're you're, there's several edits that need to once once the agent's taken you on and then you're doing as you say the structural edit the, the you know Final edit, all of those things. There's many, many kind of things to do. For you, what has been the easiest part of the process
0: and which has been the hardest part of the process? The easiest part was was all that latter part, the technical stuff and and sorting out, you know, nearly all the editorial comments I got were incredibly helpful and positive. I I didn't really have any any tussles but I did change things because you think gosh actually they're right this is better which requires again that sort of degree of humility really so that that was fine the hardest bit for me and I think is just was getting the words on the page just just sitting down in front of the you know the nice view out of the window and just doing the work there are always lots of other things you can be doing like you know getting involved in organizing story festivals yeah so sometimes that sort of tying yourself to the desk is 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 hard and And I think every writer says it
2: I talk to you about that bit because I think you're right I mean the process of writing I mean I I find it equally as hard and unless I I mean for me I have a practice of getting up very early in the morning and doing it then because if I don't anything after that is a bonus but if I don't do it first thing um, but the day runs away with me and I never get it finished um, with all these sorts of excuses of why not to do it. So how do how do you chain yourself to the desk? What is your writing
0: day-to-day process? How do you do it? So um, like you, in a way, I, I, I try and work to a working day. So um, I would set, if I'm having a writing session, then it will be a Morning, and, and I'm I'm better in the mornings usually than the afternoons. Although I'm better at revising in the afternoons, so once I've got first draft stuff down and I'm I'm doing I'm editing it through, then actually that's better in the afternoons. I have no idea why that is, but it seems to be the case. Yeah, it is just a matter of, of carving out the space, and and as you say making yourself do it I had to write stuff to tight deadlines when I was at work so I can sometimes get myself in that mindset of I will I will sit here until I've written a thousand words Okay, so you do it by words.
2: Because Michael Heppel, who's going to be doing a session on how to write a book, you know, he's written about, they're non-fiction books, but he's written about eight bestsellers. And he talks about this idea of, which I love, 17 minutes. And I'm like, pardon? He says, if you sit down and you set your timer for 17 minutes and you just write for 17 minutes. And I I thought, okay, because I know I I do well with the kind of exercise app of seven minutes, (laughs) like an exercise of seven minutes. (laughs) So I thought, oh I love that idea of doing 17 minutes. But for you, do you have any rituals that you do? Do you do you sit down with a before coffee, after coffee? Do you do you have a certain sit that you know seat that you sit in? I mean, I don't sit anywhere special. Sometimes I can even do it in bed. It doesn't matter. My thing is is I open my laptop and
0: I, I kind of early on and just get the words down. What do you do? Literally- oh, I, I sit in my study at my desk. With this lovely view out of the window, and and um, because that's how I've, I've I've always worked. Because you know, a lot of my work was um, office based in public health, so I have to be at a desk. I mean, I'll if I'm on a train or something, I'll I'll handwrite stuff for ideas. Um, and tra- I found train journeys are great, actually. You know, just sit there with a pad of A4 and a pen, and and I can scribble stuff out. But if I'm actually focused writing, I do it properly with a proper desk and a proper chair and, and everything's connected and I've got my big screen yeah totally obsessional really
2: what's next for you so this is the process so you started in 2016 and it was published in 2021 no
0: 2022 so the, the February this?
2: just, just yeah. Gone. yeah yeah that's right it feels like a long time but more than I've known you Tisha um, so that process has taken a while so what what are you doing next
0: So I've got a few thousand words, nowhere near enough yet, on an entirely different novel. It's much more dystopian fiction, but I've tried to write it as past story set in the future. So it's a bit of a technical thing to do, which has been done before. And
2: so, is it sci-fi? Is it a sci-fi
0: sense? No. No. It's it's much more writing the future in the horrible way it's highly likely to be going to evolve over the next few years. One of the problems I've got with writing it is um, not making it too horribly depressing um, yeah. because it's it, it's very important as a topic, you know, the whole thing about how we take responsibility for what, what we, uh, you know, have, have done to the planet um, and how we try and make it's survivable for the very many people who live in abject poverty across the globe already, and that's only going to get worse. So, <laughs> trying to novelise that is is an interesting challenge. But I think it's I, I think novels can be really powerful in raising issues, and I certainly, in terms of understanding some issues around race, I, I think reading Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's Americana was for sort of a, a moment of sort. Of transition for me really into into seeing the world from that very different perspective and i've tried since then to to, to read a lot of, of authors who are not preaching about racial issues but are trying to create that understanding for us all yeah. um Andrea Levy obviously and and there are there are many others but so in a way it's it's trying to to write about the environmental catastrophe which is already upon us in a way which just gives people some bit of, of understanding and, and interest and hope, because the, the and hope is crucial for us all.
2: I was just talking to Mike Pratt uh, yesterday, who is the CEO of the Northumberland Wildlife Trust, and he is going to be coming to talk at the festival uh, about about, again, about hope and what we can do and to start sort of building some new stories about the landscape and, um, how we can take responsibility and affect things. Um, so I think uh, I know that you know him, Trish, and so it'll be lovely for you to um, maybe take part in that discussion with Mike as well around what we what we're all doing. But as you say, stories do open up a world of new understanding for us. You know, it it is not only entertainment, but it can educate and inform as well, which is uh, is kind of almost a beautiful way to kind of step into a new world, isn't it?
0: It is. And I think wide, wide reading across genres and across authors and, and, and particularly authors from different places on the planet is, is, is important for us all. I suppose one of the issues is that you need to be immersed in that. You need to, I think novels are important because they are immersive. And I don't think you get the same Ability to to internalize and think things through and 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 change. If you're just reading snippets and little fragments and sentences, and um, you know the the stuffing written isn't there now about the death of the novel, um, because people access information and knowledge so differently from certainly when I was young, uh, and I think that would be sad. So it's it, we live in interesting times, don't we? Yeah,
2: and it's you know it's whether that's I mean I believe that you know the future belongs to the storytellers and there are many many ways to you know to tell stories novels is one of them but I think yes our attention is being kidnapped by the devices that we have in our pockets and unless we you know free ourselves from that kind of tyranny of the tech as I call it then you know it is difficult to keep you know your concentration going to actually read a novel. I remember on holidays I used to read three or four novels in one week, and now I can barely you know get myself through one book because of my attention span. So you know it is real, it is a real thing, but and if we can bring that to our awareness, we can do something about it, and that's I suppose why we're. We have created the you know the annex story fest to celebrate books to celebrate stories and and maybe in all the different ways that they you know for the young generation and for our generation and for the older generation it's how can we um interact with stories in a way that you know transforms our lives the the theme of the festival is transformation so uh, you know in everything that you're talking about trish it fits beautifully with the with the festival's theme and when you read the midwife it will become more apparent. <laughs> Which I can't say <laughs> anymore. But um, uh, Trish, I'm delighted to say that we are going to be launching the Anik Story Fest Book Club um, with your book.
0: We- I'm amazed at this, and thank you. Um, yeah, um, the, the book does come out in paperback in in February, so that is very timely.
2: Yes, and I know what we're going to try and do is get a, a some some books that can be. Um, purchased through the accidental bookshop in annick and we're going to do a huge big launch of the annick story fest book club where we're going to get the whole town to read one book and then report back no pressure trish
0: <laughs> yeah indeed indeed well i mean that's very delightful obviously uh, but as you say uh, yes <laughs> the thought that, you know, you're walking on the street and one person's read your book is slightly frightening, but, you know, if it's more than that, it becomes a bit stressful, really. I I find it all, you know, this is all very weird for me because I, all my previous sort of work was was behind the professional facade, you know, of my role. So I was doing work in a role rather than as, you know, specifically an individual. And, and this is obviously much more personal. Uh, so as I say, also interesting times.
2: Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. An interesting time for your own development as a, a human being. In terms of the midwife, we will send out instructions near the time about where you can buy the book. Um, and maybe we have some copies to give away as too, but we've got as many people in our lovely town of Anik reading this book. And I think what you'll find, if you're anything like me, is that it makes the experience of living in Anik even more rich. I mean, living in Annecy is amazing. This beautiful fairy tale town with our own castle and uh, gardens that are quite magical. With a, it. it's it's a beautiful place. But when we put a story to it, when there's when we have our very own writers, Tricia, that's you, writing about the history of of the um, of the town, and then weaving in these quite magical and um, quite grueling themes as well, if I can say so, it does bring it, it brings the whole experience of living in Alec, uh you know, into historical context and brings it to life. And it, it you know, you can almost kind of close your eyes. And you, I can also hear those heels clacking on the cobbles as well. So thank you so much for writing the book, Tricia. Um, really lovely to speak to you today. Um, I can't wait to start the book club with you. And I'm delighted to be working with you. On this annex story fest. before you go, is there anything one last tip or thing you would like to say to people listening to the podcast is if they also want to write a book? What advice would you give them?
0: If you want to write, you have to do write. So um however you do that, whether you do that sitting in a chair downstairs, whether you like me and have to have a desk, whether you do it on on public transport on your way to work, you need to get the words on the page and then from the words on the page, you can move through all those other processes we've been talking about. Um, But you need to write. And I think that's the advice I've been given um, when I first started. And I think it's probably by far the best advice. I'm sure Susie, you'd agree. Yeah, no, absolutely.
2: Um, I I think the fantasy of being a writer, I used to think I used to would be wafting around in white clothes with a a pen artfully kind of, stuck into my long flowing hair it doesn't quite work like that um, it's just as you say it's, it's about getting getting to the page getting to the computer and um, bashing out some words and then editing but I think there's nothing more magical nothing more exciting than having written <laughs> maybe not writing but having written and then seeing like your beautiful book you know it's sitting there on, on the shelf for other people to enjoy and just kind of spread this a weave this beautiful storytelling around the, the town, around the country and around the world. Trisha, thank you so much for your time today. Lots of love and um, I look forward to uh, launching the Annex Storyfest book club with you. Really brilliant, thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much, Susie, you take care.
1: Thank you, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to How I Wrote My Book podcast. If you want to join a friendly writing community, do join us at howiwrotemybook.com. Big thank you to all our partners and sponsors. Annex Storyfest is brought to you by Annick Gardens, Annick Town Council, Annick Castle, Annick Playhouse, Northumberland Estates, Northumberland County Council Community Chest, the Bailiffscape Museum, Barter Books, the Accidental Bookshop, and our free kits program is sponsored by Yopa and Helen Kelly, our local friendly online estate agent. Thank you also to Alcon and Turnbull's Northumbrian Food. You can buy your tickets now at annexstoryfest.com.